13, Psalm 139, verse 13. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Listen and follow along silently, if you would, as I read out loud. And uh, we'll start in verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! God cares about you. I want to encourage you this morning. God cares about you. And I also want to just say one other thing. God is for life. God is for life. And uh, what a wonderful blessing it is to see um, people out there at the, at the clinic encouraging these, these mothers and fathers. And what a blessing it is to see, see the, the victories that happen there. But also to see across this church and other churches where moms and dads are raising their children for the Lord. And we want to encourage that. And that is our hope uh, for our country and for our world. And God's plan is to save all people. His plan is that all should come to repentance. But how is that going to happen? He's left us here to do a work. And we need to train up our children uh, to be uh, witnesses. And we need to be uh, encourage, encouraging our children to understand that life is from God. And He is for life. He is pro-life. Father, Lord, I do pray that you bless this time in your word, I ask that you would speak to us as we uh, study just for a moment about life. And I pray that you would bless and encourage those that are here, those that are watching online. Help us to, uh, to reverence your word. May we use it aright. May we study it correctly. May your Holy Spirit teach us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. More than 50 years ago now, the Supreme Court ruled 7-2 in favor of a woman called Jane Roe. And the ruling established that the de uh, decision to terminate pregnancy was between a woman and her doctor. The President Ronald Reagan at the time appointed three Supreme Court justices, Sandra Day O'Connor, Antonin Scalia, and Anthony Kennedy. And Reagan believed the justices he appointed would overturn Roe. However, Kennedy and O'Connor voted in favor of abortion. Furman versus Georgia in 1972, the Supreme Court struck down all death penalty rulings. It was regarded as cruel and unusual punishment, but yet the next year we see Roe v. Wade. And uh, we, uh, we have seen that overturn. Now it's become a state issue as of late. Uh, but um, I want you to understand that God is for life, and I'm for life, and you should be too. I am, why am I for life? Well, first of all, why am I pro-life on this issue of abortion? Because it is a matter of life. We saw that in verse 13. How God, uh, God has given to us a gift of life. Uh, we even see the reference to, uh, in verse 16, a reference to our DNA. How God has uh, given to us something uh, called DNA that uh, has, as it says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book. All my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there were none of them. God, God gave to us this beautiful life that we live. 
And um, you might say, well, I don't like my life. My life, my life isn't great. Well, my friend, you need to have a, a different perspective. You need to get God's perspective on, on your life and your purpose. God has a purpose for each and every one of us, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And uh, nobody, nobody in this world is, is, is going to live without suffering and without some kind of setback, without some kind of difficulty, because of the world that we live in, the curse that man has brought into this world, we're going to have some suffering. But God still has a plan, and God wants us to do something with our life. And the Bible uh, doesn't uh, distinguish. We don't believe here in Psalm 139. I don't see it. He doesn't distinguish between uh, prenatal and postnatal life. Life is life. A life begins at conception. The child in the womb is as precious to God as the newborn baby that we saw this morning. Amen? Or not newborn. She's a little bit older than that. But uh, God himself is forming a child in his mother's womb. That is a life that is important to God and should be important to you and me. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. What some would just call a blob of cells or a clump of cells, God says that is a life. That is a person. They are special. Luke 1.41, the Bible says, When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence it is to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy." The word here in the Greek used for babe is brephos. Brephos, it's an unborn child. And uh, it is an infant. It is a baby. And uh, we see the word fetus being thrown around. That's really just a Latin word for baby. Um, we've tried to distance ourselves. You see that they distance themselves from calling that a baby because uh, it really is a baby. They can't really call it anything else and if they're honest. And um, a few years ago, we had a tragedy happen in our city. Um, we had some kids that rode our bus to church here. And uh, their mom, who we would see on a weekly basis, their mom, uh, who was at that time pregnant with twin babies, she had found out she was pregnant. Uh, she, was, she was shot and killed over at 39th in Lisbon in that area, and her 15-year-old son, who rode the bus to church, witnessed everything. It was a robbery, a murder. And uh, we uh, went. It happened while I was actually out of town and came back. and Went and saw the family, just so distraught. And those, those two boys that took her life were tried not for her homicide alone, but for a triple homicide because of the two unborn children in her womb. And our government is so inconsistent. On one hand, they say, well, that's not a baby. But in, in the court system, on the other hand, they say, well, we're going to charge a triple homicide here because those were two babies in her womb. So there is an inconsistency there. But God is not inconsistent. God says it's life. It's life inside the womb. It's life outside of the womb. How does God feel about abortion? Well, Proverbs 6, verse 16. If you would, turn there, and we'll see what he says about innocent life. Proverbs 6, verse 16. The Bible says... These six things doth the Lord hate. Well, when, when the Bible says God hates something, we should probably look at what it's saying and, and avoid those things. He says, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. 
Verse 17, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And we could go on down the list there. Hands that shed innocent blood. That's an innocent life in the womb. Oh, that we would understand the life in the womb needs to be protected because it's an innocent life. Dr. Bernard N. Nathanson, an OBGYN doctor, once an assistant professor at Cornell University Medical School, was director of the largest abortion clinic in the Western world, but he changed his tune. He became a leader in the pro-life movement after his clinic performed 60,000 abortions in 18 months. Dr. Nathanson resigned saying, I am deeply troubled by my own increasing certainty that I had in fact presided over 60,000 deaths. Doctors and nurses told him of nightmares and depression they were experiencing and personality changes developing among other personnel at the clinic. It is a matter of life. God says this life is a precious gift. Number two is not just a matter of life, it is also a matter of logic. Have you heard some of these high-sounding illogical arguments? Like, it's not a baby while in the mother, mother's womb. Life begins at the first breath. Well, you know, every child in the, in the womb needs oxygen to survive. And oxygen comes through the umbilical cord. That's how baby breathes. Babies in the womb move and breathe through the umbilical cord. And uh, they've even been known at times to get the hiccups. And some of you moms could probably attest to that. And um, babies are very active at times in the womb. It's a life. It's an unborn child. It's a baby. Um, you can be fined a lot of money, up to $5,000. You could even face jail time for crushing an eagle's egg. Yet Planned Parenthood gets paid. Abor abortion another argument, but abortion may be necessary to save the life of a mother. World-famous gen uh, geneticist Dr. Jerome Lejeune said, I would do everything I could to save the life of the mother, but I would never attack and kill an unborn child, because he believed in the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Another argument is, but what about all those babies conceived by rape or incense? Uh, are you saying that a baby conceived out of rape or incest ought not to live? Maybe we should flip that argument around and look at it from a logical point of view. What about all these babies that are born because of rape and incest? Well, there's a lot of people in this world that, that are very happy to be here despite the, uh, the, what happened in bringing them into this world, there's still a life, a viable life. It doesn't matter. Uh, we even say sometimes, well, that's a illegitimate child, maybe born out of wedlock or something like that. I like what Adrian Rogers has said. There's no such thing as illegitimate children. There's illegitimate parents, but not illegitimate children. But that life is viable. It's important to God, and it should be important to us. And statistically speaking, only 1%, 1% of all abortions would be in the category of rape or incest. incest. Trying to get you to concede that this baby conceived in this manner is not deserving of life. They deserve life. What about the baby that is going to be deformed? Should we abort? Just how perfect do you have to be to live, by the way? 
Where do we stop when we start eliminating those who are defective? When we stop eliminating the unwanted, where will we end? What a horrible argument. A woman's body, they've said, is her own to do with as she pleases. By the way, it's illegal for a woman to do drugs, illegal drugs. It's illegal for women to prostitute. It's illegal to even not wear a seatbelt. So a woman's body is not always hers to do with whatever she wishes. But we're not talking about her body. We're talking about a life living inside of her. A human cell has 46 chromosomes, 23 from the mother, 23 from the father. And that um, baby is not her body. It is a unique, separate creation that has its own unique DNA. So number three, it is also a matter of love. It's not just a matter of life, it's a matter of logic, and then thirdly, it's a matter of love. Abortion is based primarily on selfishness. In contrast to the word of God, which teaches love and selflessness. We've come to a generation that is without natural affection, as Romans 1.31 says, without understanding, Paul writes, covenant breakers, and then he says these next words, without natural affection. The most natural thing for a mother to do is to protect her, her child outside the womb and inside the womb. That's why it's, it is such a traumatic experience for a woman who has experienced abortion. And we don't, we don't stand in judgment against any woman who has gone through that, who is struggling. And that's what I love about Terry One Hour is the, the heart that they have, the love that they have. It is not a message of condemnation. It is not an antagonistic uh, effort that they're out there uh, yelling and screaming at these ladies. It is a pleading, and I've been there. It is a pleading and a begging and a love and just saying, we will pray for you. What can we do to help you? Save that little baby. Anthony Leventino, a doctor who provided abortions for his patients in his Albany, New York office for eight years, he said, along the way, you find out that you can make a lot of money doing abortions. He said, I worked nine to five. I was never bothered at night. I never had to go out on weekends. And I made more money than my obstetrician brethren. And I didn't have to face the liability. That's a big factor, he said, a huge perk. I almost never, ever had to worry about her lawyer bothering me. You think about that, how selfish our nation has become, how selfish our culture is, that we don't want to be bothered by children. Children, oh yes, they are sometimes an inconvenience, and sometimes they, they, they uh, deplete our resources, our finances, our energy, our life. But God says they are a blessing. It's our, it's our heritage. Why would we be so selfish to take the life of a child? I know the world does not want to hear that, but why don't we just start saying the truth and calling it what it is? That is murdering a human being. It's sad that what part of this this brainwashing process is to teach our children that they are not created in the image of God, that they're not 
uh, distinct from the animal, animal kingdom. We are created above all of that. God says that we are his crowning creation. We are created in the image of God. We're special to him. But in the classroom, children are being taught that they're just animals. They can do, do whatever they want. Just follow your instincts. Do what is, do what is natural. Do what feels good. We see that a lot of people struggle with this abortion issue, I believe, in this, in this world today, in our culture today, because they don't see their life, of their own life, as of having value. I saw something the other day that uh, a lady who was holding a sign, and it said that we need to, in order for, for the mom to care for a child, she needs to understand that she needs to care for herself as well. She needs to understand that she's important. For her to understand her baby is important, she needs to understand that she has a purpose. She's important. God, I want to remind you this morning, God has a purpose for your life. Some people say, why do I exist? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Do you ever ask yourself those questions? And I think it is important that we know the purpose of our life, amen? We need to know why we exist. God gave us a reason. Our search to the answer begins here in Psalm 139. If you would, turn back there. If you're in Proverbs, we'll go back to Psalm 139. And um, God tells us who we are. The bo- By the way, the more we learn about God, the more we will learn about ourselves because we're created in His image. God knows our character. Not only does he see you, he sees through you. He knows everything about you. And uh, in verse 1 of Psalm 139, the Bible says here, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Verses 2 and 3 says there's not a move that we make that God doesn't see or God doesn't know about. He knows also our words in verse number 4. He says in verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God knows our thoughts. He knows our words. And by the way, God knows our problems. Verse 5, Thou hast beset me uh, behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 24, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do, Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Uh, with, uh, with that understanding, we know that God hears us, God sees us, God knows our thoughts, God knows our words, God knows our problems, God knows everything about us, and God cares about us. By the way, we can't hide from Him. Many times we try to run from God, but the Bible says in verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Uh, we cannot hide from Him. He is everywhere. Distance doesn't hide you from God's presence. Has it ever occurred to you that God doesn't go anywhere? Because God is everywhere? Look at verse number 9, if you would, please. He says, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. 
Darkness doesn't hide us from God. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You cannot hide from God in the dark. And light, uh, there, uh, and light is um, wherever we go, God sees us. God knows where we're at. God is with us. God is already there. God also then knows our purpose. You're not an accident. You're not uh, some kind of uh, experiment. You're not pond scum. You're not, you didn't, uh, somehow evolved from a tadpole or an amoeba or uh, some primate. God didn't give us the, the uh, evolutionary theory. That is a man-made idea of trying to figure out how the world came about without God. God says in his word that he created the world in six days and he created man. Very special. He said, I am going to make someone in my image he made Adam, and then out of Adam, he, he brought Eve. Male and female, God created. That is God's plan. That is how, how you and I got here, by the way. We all come from the same two parents. Did you know that? Every one of us is part of the human family. We don't all look the same, but we're all part of the same family. And if you look at our DNA, there's very, 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 very little difference at all. God has a purpose for us. We're not just a blob of cells. God says you're special. And God made you for a purpose. Look at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. God has a purpose. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. God loves you. You can't hide from him, but why would you hide from him? See, the devil puts thoughts in our mind, God doesn't love me. God hates me. God is mad at me. God is punishing me. God, God doesn't care about me. Some people would say that. God's forgotten about me. Oh, he's given up on me. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to go to church because if I went to church, the, the roof would cave in. There's nothing special about the church building because you're always in the presence of God. Some people think, well, that's God's house. That's where he lives. God doesn't live here. He lives everywhere. God, God exists everywhere. So there's nowhere you could go to get away from him, but why would you try? Say, God, this morning, I, I hope that you understand that this morning the Lord loves you. He loves you. He created you. Oh, yes, you have, you have uh, things that you struggle with. Like I said, all of us have things that we're dealing with. All of us have uh, physical problems. All of us have, uh, we have mental deficiencies and emotional deficiencies. There's things that all of us struggle with. Sometimes we look at, well, I wish I had their life. They're perfect. Nobody is perfect. Everybody suffers in this world. All of creation groans, the Bible says in Romans 8. All of us are suffering in this 
world. But that's because of man's sin. Man created this problem. God created everything perfect. But that perfect man that God created sinned. And the Bible says in Romans that because of Adam's sin, death passed upon all men. So we're struggling. All of us in this human family are suffering. But what a wonderful thing that God did. He saw through the annals of time that man would be sinning and that man would be under the curse and that man would need a savior. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And it is only through him that we can find salvation. Nothing that man has ever done or created will save us from our sin. No church, no pastor, no priest, no pope can save us from our sin. It is only the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on the old rugged cross, and that's where we need to put our faith and trust. Amen. And I hope you have done that this morning. But when you come to Jesus and you say, I know that I'm a sinner, I know that you died on the cross for me, but I know that you made me for a purpose, and you love me, and I, I know that you want to save me, and you embrace that free gift of salvation, God says, I will not turn you away. I will not cast you out because I love you. And I'm, I died, Jesus died for you. I died on the cross for your sin, and I have a purpose for you. And what a wonderful thing to know that God has a purpose for us. He has us constantly in his heart. He knows you. He loves you, and he wants to bless you. Look at verse number 17. We got down to through verse 16. Verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And when I wake, I am still with thee. What a wonderful thing it is to know that no matter where you go, God is with you. No matter what you're struggling with, God is there. God knows what you're going through. And God says, I've designed all of those things in your life for a very important reason, and that is to shape and mold you into becoming more like my son Jesus. All the things that we're struggling with, don't say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, I'm mad at you. No, say, God, I know you have a purpose in what I'm going through. You created me. You didn't do this by accident. This is not some experiment. You have a plan. God, may you help me Give me grace to get through all of this and help me to learn what I need to learn on my journey. May that be our prayer this morning. How do we respond to a loving God, a God who loves us, who knows us, who made us? We need to obey him. Obey him. That's what faith is. Faith and obedience. Trust and obey. That's what we need to do this morning. Great faith in a great God. What a wonderful thing it is to know that the creator of this world has a purpose for you, and that is to love him and obey him. Where is it that we need to obey this morning? Each of us have a different area that we're growing in, okay? Where is it for you? What is it that you're dealing with? Some are dealing with understanding their purpose. Maybe that's what, we, maybe that's what you're dealing with this morning, what we talked about, understanding why am I here? What is the purpose of it all? Some of you are struggling with taking the next step in your spiritual walk as far as serving in ministry, getting baptized, joining the church. But maybe this morning, you need to be saved. You need to know Jesus as your personal Savior. And there's a call, an invitation this morning for you to come, and we'll have somebody take the Word of God, God's special Word, His holy book, and show you from the Bible for you to see for yourself what God's message is for you. He loves you, Jesus died for you, and you need to have faith in Him. That's the message. Not join the church. Church membership is wonderful. It's a good thing to do as a believer, to be part of a local church. 
But as a human being, the first step we need to take is acknowledge we're a sinner and understand that Jesus is the Savior. Put your faith in him. Father, Lord, I pray to you bless this time of invitation. I pray for anyone here under the sound of my voice or watching on live stream that is, if they're not saved, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to, this morning, take that next step. Take that first step of faith. I pray that you'd help them to come and allow us to show them the word of God. That they can make their own personal decision. I pray for anyone this morning, Lord, that is saved, but is struggling to understand their purpose, or they're struggling with obedience. I pray that this morning that they would know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you love them. You love them. And you created them for a purpose. And this morning I pray, Lord, that they would just take that step of faith, trust and obey you, and step forward. Whatever area it is of their life that they need to grow in, that you're, that you're talking to them about. I pray they would submit, that all of us would this morning. 